So I don't know what you wanted to talk about today. We talked about two or three things. Well, we'll talk about that. The markets are transitioning. We learned a lot, uh, I think, in San Diego from the NAA convention. We're glad to have Mr. Jimmy Dean in the studio with us, and uh, I think that's our topic. Let's talk about the markets. Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. This show is devoted to all industry professionals looking to up their game and stay up to date. Welcome to The Sale Ring. Welcome to the sale ring, Jimmy Dean. Welcome to the sale ring. And Trina. Thank you. Thanks Ms. for Trina me. Turner. Thanks for letting me come to your party this thanks, time. Thanks for allowing me to be here. Yeah. A lot of fun. We think it is. Yeah. It is a lot of fun. We we enjoy you know, ourselves. <laughs> we enjoy ourselves. Oh, you would. <laughs> wow. Why would we not? <laughs> I mean, I, I let the egos fly. I get I get something out of every podcast we do, Sean. All of them that I've uh, been on the last two or three times that I've been on with the you. The ones been that you've off. been I, on, you've I, you've got a lot out of. I have gotten a lot out of them because <laughs> what about you the ones know you have we, not been on. Jimmy well, I, I get a lot out of the ones I listen to for sure. But when I'm in here and we start bumping ideas, bumping thoughts, and talking about different things, I walk out of here energized. Got to bump ideas. Bump ideas. Energized. I like the way you said that. Very nice. There's this conference in the in the real estate sector called the gathering of eagles gathering of eagles gathering of eagles dan's been to it a few times and you know the 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 power the power hitters and um, major real estate franchise organizations remax um yeah. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway, you know, the Century big players, 21. Right. Mm-hmm. The big, so they, the, the Eagles gather and, and they talk about the state of the industry. and, and uh, So is that kind of like you can't soar with the Eagles if you're down here strutting with us turkeys? Is that's that exactly one? right. Oh, okay. But it kept coming to mind because Jimmy and I spent, um, last week, the previous week, we were out in San Diego at the NAA convention <laughs> Somebody, we were talking about this Gathering of Eagles conference that I think it had just taken place that not too long ago. They they had met, and I said, "Well, this is, you know, it's similar. It's the Gathering of Egos. Egos. <laughs> gathering of the Egos. Egos. This is gathering yeah. of Egos. We're having the Gathering of Egos con- conference. Um, it was interesting, though. You know, the the, the NAA convention this year was." Um, and the numbers appeared to be down just a little bit. I think some of that could just be from geography. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that associations are getting a little bit tighter on membership, and, and they're starting to shrink. All associations. I, I read an interesting article about Rotary Club um, and Lions Club International um, about memberships dropping. And, and it had some historical data in there that dated back into the, the 40s and the 50s and, you know, where that peaked out and, and where the decline started. But all associations. Well, you and, I've talked, you and I have talked several times uh, off podcast, that, you know, that the generational changes. Uh, I, don't, I don't think today's generation are as much uh, belongers or organizational because they yeah, they're get, not joiners they're not joiners they they get their social networking online online yeah. and in in different formats they don't yeah. they don't have to go to those social gatherings yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah we socialize in different ways now i just picked my phone up and made sure it was turned <laughs> off but you hold that phone that that smartphone in your hand at least a hundred times a day you know you're checking it or checking something text checking mm-hmm. your Facebook account, checking Twitter, Instagram, but you're you're checking something all the time. And socially connected, socially yeah. connected. All the time. That's right. Which is unfortunate because years ago, when I got into the auction business, and we talked about the kind of the uh, evolution of the auction industry now that online auctions are are taking, uh, um, they're definitely taking it their position 
You know, they're mm-hmm. taking up um, th- that method of, of having an auction is, has got a solid stance in the auction industry. Now, that's not the reason why we went to auction school. That's not why we got into the auction business. We got in the auction business because we like that social interaction with people. We like looking at somebody and, you know, and, and a piece of yeah. show business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we like to be center uh, of attention. Cent- well, I wasn't <laughs> going to go there, but maybe. I mean, maybe auctioneers right are a little bit that way. If you stand up on a chair and start chanting like a, a monkey out here trying to sell a cup for a dollar. You There's know, a little whatever. bit of attention want yeah. there. You're wanting people to look <laughs> at you and pay attention to you. That's that's part of it. And there's there's nothing wrong with that if that's your if that's your uh, your your gig. You know, if that's what uh, excites you. But for me personally, I never had a problem with that. I enjoyed the social interaction of being at a live auction, and I'm disappointed that we don't get to do that in the same level that we used to all those years. I mean, now I'd say 95 plus percent of our auctions and my own personal company are online only. Mm -hmm. And it disappoints me to have to do that, but I'm doing that for the client. I'm doing that for the industry uh, is a better steward. If you keep the client's needs first, you know, that's what you should be doing. And the revenue models, I mean, our, our metrics at the end of the auction look better. Yeah. Than what we could produce on general merchandise in live auctions. People just don't want to go stand for three or four hours in the hot sun waiting on you to sell something, but they'll go online and bid or on it. Or they can't. I mean, everyone's working nowadays, so they can't just take a day off to go to an auction. No. And, and I That's think a great point. I, th- I think it's the same, goes back to the same conversation we were in a while ago with the, uh, the joiners. Mm-hmm. You know, the generation don't go to join for social stuff. Well, they don't go to auctions for the social interaction. No. And they don't want to go somewhere in hopes of being a winner. Online, they're going to know within a moment that they are a winner. Yeah. Well. And if you go to, well. but they don't timed auction times. It's yeah, not a moment. But they, but they don't have to go to yeah, a Yeah, they don't location. have to show face anywhere. Right. Right. They don't have to carve out time in their day, carve out time in their week. They don't have to get in a vehicle, go to an event. They can look at their phone and do it. That's all. You know, we've. I mean, I'm that way, though. I'm I, Maybe I'm just younger than you guys, but that's. <laughs> I didn't grow up with the internet. You're definitely in my back younger pocket, than Jimmy. But I prefer to shop online to everything. So if I don't have to go to the grocery store or wherever ever again, my life is happy. Um, yeah, and I think maybe Trina said it earlier. You know, people are just they're busy. They they don't want to take the time to go mm-hmm. do it. And that I believe goes back to part of that social interaction. And when people would just sit down on a, a chair, a park bench, and they would communicate with each other and today it's like i love to talk hey i gotta go you know i gotta go i'm busy 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 all the time and i remember people stopping by my granddad's house i mean he had his uh business right there in the basement and in in the summertime he'd be sitting in his porch swing behind the house and he could he could watch his shop door uh from his porch swing in the shade and he'd guys would just stop and talk but now if somebody rang your ring doorbell when you look at that before you even went to the door to see if you were even going to answer it, hmm. it's technology, man. Different world. If from, somebody, from from just curiosity standpoint or from a safety standpoint? Both. Both. I don't ever go open my door the first without looking at my ring, ever. I know, I know a guy that has ring on his business and his doorbell stuff, and he's constantly watching his phone, just seeing like who's walking by on the sidewalk. Oh no, yeah. And I was like, dude, that's uh, you, that's a little that's like an outdoor nanny. Go cam. and what sit you on doing? your front porch and yell at him next, please. If if he was, <laughs> you don't have to sit it, on your porch. You just <laughs> you turn the microphone. Hey, what are you doing walking in front of my house? If his office was where mine was, he'd need an eyeful. on his ring he'd get tired of watching those crazies it'd be like the truman show (laughs) just turn it on and let it run crazy crazy i the the auction industry is definitely transitioning so we started out talking about the national convention Mm -hmm. numbers may have declined or or didn't look that healthy I, i think some of that could be contributed to it was in san diego california yep so the numbers are not as strong in California as as they are in some of maybe the 
central or eastern states as related to auctions. Auctions, I would say, are a little bit more prevalent as you head east across the country. And that's a long distance for people that are in the southeast or even in these midwestern, these these centralized states or southwestern states to travel all the way to California. Mm-hmm. And there's also a fair amount of people, I think, just from government restrictions or their perception of what is going to happen when they go to California. They just don't want to go. They mm-hmm. they're they're just kind of anti that western seaboard right now and and uh well, they, they'd like to stay home and stay and wait for it to come you know back to the uh back to the center part of the united states and and, yeah. and back to the travel it it's a long trip yes you you look at the bulk of the auction industry is in around or east of the, the mississippi mm-hmm. so from the mississippi river or east it's a long hard trip and with flights the way they are yeah, now? Yeah, they're expensive, and you have to stop 14 times. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it is a big day mm-hmm. to even get there. Yes. And a big check. Yes. And a big check. Yes. So it hasn't gotten cheaper. No. Not at all. At, uh, for Lucinda and I, we went out there. I mean, you were with us, you and, and, and Phyllis were with us. Um, what did we stay, five days? Yeah. Five so. days? It cost it cost to get out there to take part and celebrate everything and to get back. It cost a thousand bucks a day. Oh, mm-hmm. it's pretty. You know, much it was that. it was over a five thousand dollar bill to go out there for them. So it's uh, here's the one thing that I did here and I'm excited about is they're coming to Oklahoma City next year. Oh, I was going to ask where next year's is. Nice, yeah. Oklahoma City. That's I, nice I'm an Oklahoma guy. Jimmy has uh, an office in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and uh, and grandkids. And grandkids, so you can celebrate that. But I'm, I was excited. Oklahoma doesn't, it's not usually a huge draw. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's not one of the first go-to states that, that most people think about. And I'm, I'm glad they considered it and they're bringing it to Oklahoma City. I, I think it'll be not only welcomed. I know the, the Oklahoma Auctioneers Association and that board, they're going to put their best foot forward oh, to yeah, make yeah, a great show of it yeah. because they they know that it's a little bit of an underdog when you look at all of the places you could go. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we have to do the best we can to make a showing out here and to make this really memorable. Well, and but, the Oklahoma Association usually has a pretty good show for, of their own, right? Yeah. Every year. yeah. So yeah. I know you yeah, they have good. Yeah. They're, they're like any other association. Yeah. As we started out talking, their numbers have declined too yeah. from what yeah. they used to be. All of them have. Yes. But you know, Let's talk about Oklahoma City for just a minute because that's where it's coming. Oklahoma City, 10 years ago, I think, Sean, you'd agree that Oklahoma City was getting tired. But in the last 10 years, Oklahoma City, I'll say, has really stepped up their game. Downtown Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. they've revitalized. That is a pretty neat area, and there's some, there's some cool stuff to see in downtown Oklahoma City now. Well, the first thing, there, there's two things people historically think about in Oklahoma is either the Western heritage, you know, mm-hmm. cowboys and just Western heritage, um, or the oil and gas industry, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you'll see both of those are or, very yeah, prevalent some people in, in, their, in the back of their head combine those two items like me, and it's just like, oh, that's all the same stuff. So, I Like oil that. and gas people wearing cowboy hats, or yeah. what are you talking about? They sure. do that. Yeah, yeah. they do. <laughs> um the downtown area that Jimmy's talking about is uh, that Bricktown, mm-hmm. as they refer to it. They have done a complete revitalization of that over the last 15 years. They put a lot, a lot of money into that. And uh, that big presentation yeah. <laughs> of big life size or bigger than life size bronze, I, I guess they're bronze statues all down the river walk there. Oh, yeah. Where they're, yeah. Uh, you know, where they're m- memorializing or the, uh, the uh, land run is mm-hmm. what that's all about. Yeah. That is a pretty cool thing to go walk and look at. Yeah, it's, it's, really cool. it's very cool. And then just down the road, north of the Capitol, um, is uh, the Western Heritage Museum, mm-hmm. Oklahoma's Western Heritage Museum. And they've done a lot of work there, um, creating exhibits and making that um, fairly memorable. So Oklahoma, it can be, it's uh, it's easily drivable for most of that, that South Central and, and Central states. Uh, to fly in there can be a little bit interesting because you usually have to go to Dallas or Kansas City or somewhere mm-hmm. and then fly Total from there into over. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So the the direct flights in there can can be 
interesting. But yeah, be that as it may, I am. Uh, I that was welcome news when I I heard where they were going next year. I was like, yeah, that's. I, well, can, I assume you're going to drive it. It's what like three and a half hours from here. So we'll drive it and we'll yeah. try to participate in it. You know, yeah. we'll um, as a company. So we represent a, a very large company mm-hmm. that has a lot of auctioneers and a lot of brokers and agents across the country. We we want to get the word out and help support that and see if we can't uh, come up with something interesting. It'll be fun. Yeah. <clears throat> the auction industry. Yeah. We were talking earlier <laughs> about um, we were talking about online auctions and I I'm still seeing. Uh, I think about this a lot when I sit in the back of the room and I watch bid calling championships mm-hmm. and people are trying so hard, you know, on the microphone to, to win the, the like national or international award or their state award. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that industry look like in another 10 or 15 years? Because the, it's, it's alive and well across the country. There's still a lot of live auctions. It's very prevalent in the auto industry. It's very prevalent in the livestock industry. So there's some industries that are holding on to that heritage. But you'll even see consolidation of large like automobile companies, the, um, the shrinking of their auctioneer pools and mm-hmm. moving more and more that inventory online. It's the, the natural progression is going to be, uh, it's going to become systematized, automatic or competitive online bidding platforms, speed knees. People can say, hey, the auction's getting ready to start. We're going to cycle through these cars. You're interested in sports cars, trucks, sedans. What are you looking for? Here they come up on the board. They're going to set there on their smartphone. They're just going to start running them up. There's not going to be the need in the future for a live outcry auctioneer that you're paying eighty thousand or a hundred thousand dollars a year, or whatever that fee yeah. is to be an auctioneer on the block. I, trust me when I tell you, corporations are going to say, "Well, we got three of those people. They're costing us two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, or five of them, or ten of them. Let's uh, let's cost. Yep. cut them by mm-hmm. a third." And then another third. And then pretty soon they're going to get rid of the last auctioneer and just say we've moved 100% online. Well, and there's a lot of those, uh, a lot of, and I'm not in the auto auction industry at all, but I have friends that are. But they, the, the auto, and auto auction industry has already got rid of a lot of their, their, uh, their bids, bid assistance, their, their ring. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They've already, unfortunately. Because the auctioneers are telling me, and I'd had a long conversation with a couple of them in in uh, San Diego, it makes it hard for the auctioneer to be able to do his job the best that he can do it when he don't have eyes on the ground down. He on has the nobody floor. watching for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're they're doing that as a cost cutting measure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, they are. I think you know probably where most of the advancement in that most of that that. Um, that cutback will happen is in time of uh, economic downturn. So when the car industry gets tough and it's getting hard to move inventory, that's when you start looking at, at tightening your belt, right? Historically, that's when the market, the needle moves the most is, is in times of need. So Mm -hmm. we're going to see that any industry, we're going to see that, you know, in, in the future in the livestock industry too. I, I think, um, the livestock industry, because you're dealing with live animals and you need a quick resolve mm-hmm. with um, to move cattle effectively, you know, let's let's just say for an example, um, you know, if cattle are if they're sick or if there's an issue on the farm where we need to we need to move these, but we need to move them like Yesterday, day after tomorrow. Right. Mm-hmm. We need to get them into the cell and get them moved. That may have a little more staying power for those localized barns. <clears throat> but if you look at what companies like Superior Livestock and a lot of these video marketing or online marketing uh, livestock systems are doing where they come out and you have time to film or photograph video cattle in pens on the farm, they can hold those for a week or two weeks while they're selling those, waiting on the trucks to come pick them up. And then they'll calculate you know, what the, the differentiation and the weight and the shrinkage and things are as they load them up and haul them out. That's pretty convenient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's a couple of things that didn't happen there. Number one is you have to continue to hold them until they're taken off of your farm, mm-hmm. but you didn't expose them yeah. to other cattle and other illnesses in a barn. Um, you, you, uh, you know, you're not having to truck them or transport them anywhere. That's all being taken care of by the purchasing side. So, yeah. 
A lot of changes. A lot of changes. And again, it's unfortunate. You know, if you if you dreamed as a kid to be a telephone operator the whole time when you were growing up and you wanted to wear the headset and you uh-huh. wanted to patch people in and you just, you know, back in, in the early days, you thought that would really be the thing. You're going to be disappointed when they started coming out with digital technologies, no longer yeah. needed telephone operators. And I think over time, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of disappointment in uh, in the live outcry auctioneer industry. We're not going to see it this year or next year, but over the yeah. next ten or fifteen years, I, I think yeah. you're going to see um, you're going to see a lot of transition. Unfortunately, in this industry, well, we have we have seen a lot of transition in the industry just in the last fifteen years, Sean. But I always have to go back to a story. My mother was in the uh, banking business for years and years, and she. Uh, she started as a teller when she was in high school and continued there for 40-some years and uh, retired from the bank. And she tells a story about an electronic device that they came out with in 1967 or 8, I believe it was, that the tellers were scared to death. They were all going to be so replaced. Count the money? No. The dollar counters? No. Okay. ATM. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. The ATM machine came out in the late 60s, and the tellers were just feared that, oh, my gosh, we've been replaced by a robot. Yeah. By a robot (laughs) or a jukebox that you put money in or a card in. Well, we all know that didn't happen. The tellers have uh, long since still been there. Uh, I've got tellers at, at a couple banks that I bank with. I can pull up there and talk to them anytime. So, Tellers are still in place somewhat. Well, do here's people the thing, still though, use? Jimmy, my banks don't have a live teller anymore. They're not open anymore. You can only bank online or through their ATM. Well, the I was just getting ready to up. say, as you drive around Kansas City, what you're going to see happening, there used to be five to eight personnel inside that bank from lending officers to four or five people working behind the counter and a teller. They'd take turns working mm-hmm. the window. There's three it or four now. <laughs> or... You go by now, and there are these small condensed banks that there's two or three drive-through lanes with the little tube. air pump things, the mm-hmm. tube system, and there's one teller that may be in there till 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. That's the only employee in that mm-hmm. bank. Yep. And we're seeing more and more of those pop up in Kansas that's City. Right. But so, but my, my point is, that's from 1967. Yeah, sure. That, yeah. sure. Takes 2022. There's a yeah. lot of time that has gone by. And some banks have tellers, some banks have a couple employees. But anyway, change. Change is always going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I heard two auctioneers talking in San Diego about the um, about the potential for the um, you know the decline in live outcry auctioneers and the need for it, the call in the industry. And it was a car auctioneer and a benefit auctioneer. And the summation of their conversation, I just kind of sat back and was listening because it was very interesting about how the industries have constricted and how they, they, they've had cutbacks and they're declining. And they said, well, you know, I, I don't think this is going to happen. And, and, of course, they you say things out of passion sometimes. Yeah. An automobile auctioneer, the one in this conversation, said, no, they'll never totally get rid of all of the automobile auctioneers. And I was like, well, why not? I, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure that's accurate, you know, over mm-hmm. time. But the benefit auctioneer said, I, I don't know that any of us are irreplace or, or not irreplaceable or um, can't be, that our position can't be terminated due to technologies. But mm-hmm. I'll bet my industry is around longer than yours is. <laughs> because <laughs> and my daddy's bigger than your daddy. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's, in, it's, it's interesting because they're talking about the benefit auction business, and you can have a silent auction, but, you know, that person is, they're kind of a conductor. They're kind of... Show business. Uh, it's yes. it's kind of show business, and it's somebody that's uh, orchestrating, orchestrating an event mm-hmm. for that night. It's not just being an auctioneer. They're keeping, all right, next up we're going to have this person, and then we're going to have the live auction in a little bit, and they're going through the, the whole Yeah, And the they're MC. not just stepping up to a microphone, you know, and selling a commodity or selling an item, and then they're done. They're, they're is, trying to gain, yeah, to sell nothing and make money off of that. Well, sell small things. Well, the smart thing that they've done is they start working like good yeah. benefit auctioneers. And I see a lot of auctioneers that used to be in personal property real estate mm-hmm. that are heavily concentrating in the benefit auction sector. I think part of it is because they really like it and they, yeah. they figured out how to turn it into a business model. I think the other part of it is they think there may be more staying power in that yeah. long term. 
they're working with these organizations six months out or a year out and talking about, well, next year at the event, we need to get these type of items and let's see Mm -hmm. if we can get a couple more sponsors on board. And they're giving consulting services throughout the year in preparation. Very smart. The other thing about fundraising and benefit auctions, and, and you know, I do several of those a year myself, but everything is positive. Yes, around a fundraising event. No one had to hit the wall. Nobody had to die. No Mm -hmm. one, you know, got a divorce. There wasn't any of that. Everyone who donated loved to donate their item to be Mm -hmm. sold. Everyone that wanted to be there to buy was there to donate more than buy. Yeah. Well, and it feels good to give to a good cause, too, no matter what side of that you're on, whether you're donating to that cause or mm-hmm. buying something for that cause. Yeah, it just cause. makes it you just, feel it good. It makes you feel mm-hmm. like a good person. So I agree. Feel good. Speaking of good people, let's slip away and hear from our sponsors real quick, and we'll be back in just a few more minutes with uh, Jimmy Dean. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? unitedcountry.com over 30,000 farm recreational and lifestyle properties are just a click away helping people find their American dream for over 90 years we will help you find yours log on now to unitedcountry.com and find your freedom thinking about selling a real estate investment but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Buying great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. So while we were on break, we were talking about Uh, the real estate market. And obviously, if you're in the real estate industry, you've already seen uh, maybe some tightening. There's Mm -hmm. been a little bit of tightening. I I don't, as uh, Chicken Little always said, you know, I I don't believe that the sky is falling. Um, I I think Chicken Little said the opposite of that, though, right? He kept crying, the sky is falling. I know. All the time. He said, just and then like when Chicken it, Little, I don't think the is sky is yeah. falling. <laughs> as, he, as he said, the sky is Sorry. falling. I don't believe that's the case. Yes. I, I don't think that that's going to happen. I think uh, there's definitely some tightening. Mm-hmm. You know, Jimmy brought up something. Uh, this morning we got up, we're drinking coffee, and he mentioned, uh, here's something you don't see very often or haven't for the last two or three years is a broker open. Yeah. Now they're starting to advertise, hey, we're having this open house, you know, brokers, agents, you'll bring your, come by and look at it, bring your clients with you. We'll have uh, hors d'oeuvres or, or cocktails, and we're going to be here from this time period. But they're, they're having broker opens or open houses uh, to try to uh, solicit more buyers to come in and look at their properties. They haven't had to do that for two or three yeah. years. We haven't, they yeah. we haven't put seen a sign. that for 36 months, you I'm put, telling you. You put a sign in the front yard, and you're just ran over with uh-huh. people that's, I'm ready to make an offer, you know, and they're just flying at you. But now, all of a sudden, houses are starting to set on the market just a little bit longer. Is, 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 is that because we have too much supply? Definitely not supply. Not. No. It's not. No. It's absolutely not supply. There's, there's one thing that causes the increase or decrease in residential or any real estate value affordability 
Supply and demand. Supply and demand. Supply and demand. Well. 100%. Yeah. Okay? Now, here's an interesting point, Sean. We talked about this. Interest rates. Mm-hmm. We know interest rates have been in in early 2022. That's mm-hmm. this year. Back in February, I think you could go back and look and see that the 30-year rate was somewhere around three and a quarter percent. Okay. Yeah. I don't know exactly, but roughly. Now, what is it now? Six percent? Am I close? Probably. We could look it up. Keep talking. We'll look it up. Here's an interesting point. You take a $300,000 house or a $300,000 mortgage. Let's just base it on a $300,000 mortgage for a 30-year mortgage Mm -hmm. in February. Six and a half, looks like. Six and a half. So Mm -hmm. I figured this on 6%. So it's it's going to be worse than what I'm getting ready to show you. the, The payment... On a 30-year in February for $300,000 was $1,300 a month. The payment on $300,000 for a 30-year mortgage today, July. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready? No, at At 6% because I already figured it at 6%. Okay. $1,798. That's almost $1,800. Sean, Trina, that's a difference of $493 a month. A month. Mm -hmm. That changes the game on who can buy a $300,000 house. Affordability. It it definitely does. $493, and that's figured on a 6%, which today is actually 6.5%. Well, I was going to mention that you see a lot of price reductions going on right now, too. And I think it's the same thing. Um, The market got just crazy with people just cash offers left and right skyrocketing values and whatnot and i think it's kind of starting to come back down as people can't get loans on this stuff anymore because it's not at one or two percent anymore or the interest rate's gotten a little higher and it doesn't make sense for me so I, i i think i think a lot of people you know because the first thing that that i noticed out of the last um economic downturn, the financial downturn in the housing market, which would have been about 2007 and eight back when everything started to, to break or collapse, uh, was they were crying wolf, they were crying predatory lending, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did. But I think we learned a lot of lessons back then too, where people are at least saying, well, how much would my payment be? Or what's, what's the repercussions? Because that's only been when was that? Nine. That's only been 11, 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that were paying attention and trying to learn from it. It hasn't been that long ago to where they may have gotten into a situation for making a bad loan or watch somebody else do that. Yeah. So if they're paying attention, you know, one of the things that happens when Jimmy talks about the interest rates have started to rise, well, the um, first thing, the first number that tends to drop is the amount of people, now that interest rates are coming up, they stop applying for as many loans. Yeah. So the loan demand rate, uh, I read on C, uh, is it CNBC? Yep. They CNBC. ran a report, said mortgage demand drops to a 22-year low as higher interest rates and inflation crushes home buyers. Mm-hmm. Now, they'll spin the numbers and they'll state this, you know, in, in a variety of different ways, depending on how they want to steer the audience and their, their story. But we also heard Central Bank at the end of May, I think that they uh, they had released, and I don't remember the percentage now, but their loan application rates were down significantly as interest rates start to rise. And that right. is obviously the result. Um, if you move from a 3 or 3.5% interest bracket up to 6% interest bracket, now all of a sudden those payments are a lot healthier and mm-hmm. people are saying, uh, you know, I'm going to hold off. I, and I, I think once they rethink this, they're – there's still that human need. There's in human nature, people want to live in in something nice, and they would like to step up. If you own a, you know, if you own a Chevrolet, you would maybe like to own a Lincoln or a Cadillac. Or if you live in a fifteen hundred square foot home, you would like to live in a two thousand square foot home. They're going to try to find something within their means, within their yeah. cost, that's not uh, payment prohibitive for them to buy that. Yeah, yeah. That that's hundred percent accurate but what may happen instead of them buying a four hundred thousand dollar house they have to live in a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar or 325 because the interest rate's going to take up too much more of the payment you know it's going to cost them more to get to that 
and I, and I think what we're what we're seeing now because we see we're seeing those uh, those open house signs and and stuff's not having competing offers like it was is the interest rates went up a mm-hmm. but there's also this eeks, everybody's tightening their reins let's yeah. hold on not necessarily I don't see what want happens to buy with this yeah but I'm on hold. Let's just look at gasoline. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got inflation stuff all across the board. Sure. From, from everything. Yeah, so from groceries to fuel to clothing, everything's costing more money. Right everybody's now. pockets are being affected by everything you're buying. Gasoline, let's let's look at an average average mileage driven in a year. Uh, I'm, it's somewhere between 15,000, 20,000 a year. Yeah. So a 15,000 mile year. Let's say you've got a vehicle that make, that gets twenty mile a gallon. Just for some round numbers, that's you're going to burn seven hundred fifty gallons in a year's time. Well, at the beginning of the year or last fall, at a dollar eighty, that gas is going to cost you thirteen hundred dollars for the mm-hmm. year. Hmm. Now at four dollars gas, that's going to cost you three thousand mm-hmm. dollars for the year. That also changes That's your buying power. Yeah. yeah, it's it's extremely significant. Yeah, your 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 burden every month out there is especially when you're you're living on you know fixed income and uh, you can only do so much, right? You only yeah. have uh, so much jam to spread around, and and you just you run out. Yeah, I bought. I went down last week as we was talking earlier in the podcast. We were in San Diego, mm-hmm. and Phyllis. First morning we got there, Phil said, I'm ready for a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. I went down at the hotel. They didn't have coffee in the lounge like a lot of hotels. Yeah. Had yeah. to go to their market. Yeah. You had to go to the Starbucks downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a Starbucks. This, oh, it was really? like an unbranded it Starbucks. It was an unbranded coffee yeah. house. Marketplace coffee. Okay. Market. We don't call yes. it Starbucks, but you still get yes. that same increased price. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you get the resort price. Twelve dollars mm-hmm. for two cups of coffee. Yeah. You're also in California though. It was, I think the same coffee here, same hotel here. It would have been nine bucks. It would have been like six, eight bucks, something. It was but, delicious. Yeah. It was yummy. It better have been yeah. delicious. Because it's the only place to get it. So. <laughs> Here's something else strange about the market that's uh that is this is Jimmy Isms. This will, you know, Jimmy isms. This is Jimmy isms. I like to throw them out every once in a while. Write that down, Sean. That's going to the show notes. Some people say that they're worth what you pay for them. (laughs) You've been jimmied. Um, No, I'm not going to say that. In, uh, (laughs) (laughs) no, please don't. Um, you know, in 2007, Sean, you and I. Sorry. It's hard to get anything done in here. <laughs> it really Go ahead. It's really hard to get anything Keep done in here. 2007, what happened? Keep Jimmy in the audience. So, Sean, and I, Sean, you and I were both in this industry well before 2007, but in 2007, You're older eight, than I am. Nine, mm, a lot of people would say I don't look it, though. Well, a lot of people might Doesn't say matter. that. <laughs> Looks don't matter. It's, the, it's actually That you. is right. The birthdays yeah. can't. I don't know how many blind people there are out yeah. there, but there <laughs> are people Might that would be. say it. <laughs> No. Um, but back in 2007, I think the number of startup homes, startup new home constructions oh. in America was somewhere in the three, three million range. And I think in 2022, that's going to be somewhere around a million and a half. People aren't building is what you're saying. People yeah. are not building and they haven't. Since 2007, the building startups have been significantly less. Well, have you tried to buy wood lately? Well, we built a deck, and oh, I don't know what we material cost went up dramatically. They they did. I will say there's been a correction in that. That those those numbers have started coming down a little bit, but it needs to continue to correct. Uh It does need yeah. to con- correct. I mean, because a sheet of OSB still is not worth $28 for no. a sheet. No. I like it no. better at that $7 range. That's exactly the number I was just thinking mm-hmm. about was 7 bucks a sheet. Exactly right. But anyway, those startups and the new, the new home buyers has not decreased. Yeah. Yep. They're not the building startup, new houses. The startup homes have decreased by over half mm-hmm. since 2007. All the way through till now, 
but the population is continuing. The to demand grow. is still there. Yes. Yep. The demand you know. for those houses that aren't being built is still there. So I want you to look at the title. The heading on this article is Mortgage Demand Drops 22-Year Low as Higher Interest Rates and Inflation Crush Home Buyers. Yeah. It's focused on who? It's focused on the buying audience, and right. we did that. I, I read that. Jimmy, you started talking about the, the payment scenario with interest rates going up and how much more interest costs on a loan and stuff. Buyers. There's another side to this equation. Sellers, yeah is you have sellers mm -hmm. out there. And what's happening right now in the marketplace that causes part of the slowdown is for the last two or three years, these sellers, it's been a seller's market, not a buyer's market. These sellers got accustomed to pricing their properties at, uh, at a primo price, you know, at a supreme price out there. And then all of a sudden, these, off these offers are just flooding in the door. It won't happen overnight. The adjustment for the sellers and the correction in, in their their valuation of their properties and their expectation of the property, you won't condition and train them overnight because we didn't get them there overnight. Yeah, That ha that happened over about a three-year period mm -hmm. where it was, these prices were being amplified or, or, or they were being um, increased dramatically because the supply dropped off and the demand picked up. Well, now all of a sudden, there's still some demand there, but it's a lot slower coming in the door than it was Homes are starting to set. So let's say you have a $400,000 listed property. It's hard for that seller to say, well, I, I don't want to lower it to three ninety. dollars I, mm -hmm. I shouldn't have they to shouldn't. do that. Yeah. You are going to have to do that because yep. the markets are now transitioning the other way. You missed, so you, what, you missed the, the peak. So what you're saying is the buyer realizes that 4% uh, increase in interest rates much quicker than the seller realizes. Yeah, that's exactly right. Four yeah. percent That's exactly right. And it's uh, if they don't have to sell, um, it's going to take a little while to condition the selling audience out there that I can't get you that price today. It's just mm -hmm. the valuations are going to start declining just a little bit. We can still sell your property. Yeah. But you may need to shave 2% or 6% off the price of the property because you missed the window. Well, I have a feeling that a lot of people out there took advantage, um, homeowners took advantage of the low mortgage rates, got refis mm -hmm. for what it was worth when when it was sky high. Which and may turn out to be worth a lot. Upside down mortgage, essentially, because now rate their pricing's coming back down, but their mortgage rate's still as high as what they refied for back yeah, when but it was. I'm telling you, if you could move that from that that previously, that five, five and a half, whatever interest rate, and get down into the threes or yes, low no, threes. Yes, no, I did that. I'm telling over, you. I over went from time, seven to two and a half percent, guys. See, like, that's going to be super valuable. I on that. Other people have yeah. taken all that cash out, and now they're going to be stuck with a bigger mortgage than what they should be. That's right. The only saving grace they have out of that whole thing is if you locked in for a 20 or 30-year fixed rate mortgage at – three percent yeah that's going to be very valuable to you over the next several years i believe to the, to yeah. the tune of five hundred dollars a month exactly yeah. exactly especially when fuel prices and everything oh, yeah. else is yes. beating you down in inflation you can still afford to get to work wear nice clothes but put food on the table and, yeah. yeah yep yeah. it's crazy <clears throat> yes it is crazy the market we've watched it change you know Everybody's screaming right now. Oh my gosh, we're seeing six and a half percent interest rates. And Sean, I started in, the, in this industry in 1983. I started selling residential real estate in Sorry. 1985. Told uh -huh. you that dude Trina, was old. I know you guys are old. Trina's Jimmy. When you Trina's started like, out, I was Trina still was a, born in 1982. I was in junior <laughs> high. Yeah, Trina was one, born the year before Jimmy started out in the yeah. industry. <laughs> That is just I was not. One. Trina was one year old. I was just still eating soft bananas was, and soft. That was food back when I was nice, <laughs> sucking on a bottle. And anyway, well, she still does that once yeah. in a while. I know. Yeah. Just a different kind of bottle. <laughs> just doesn't have formula in it anymore. No. Joke. But uh, in 1985, when I started selling residential real estate for uh, a real estate broker in Indiana. Mm -hmm. 17, 18% interest rates was what they were. That was commonplace back then. You try to, you figure a mortgage on, on a today's value home at 18% interest. Find how many your first time home buyers can, can swallow that. No, yeah, none of them. It's going to be tough. My mother, my another mom story. Okay. <laughs> mom had a mortgage on her property in that time frame, 
it was six and an eighth percent. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget it because she was getting phone calls and mail letters because back then you could sell From your mortgage. Bank. Oh, yeah. They wanted to buy her mortgage out at six and a, they were wanting them because the interest rates was 18%. Yeah. Somebody would buy that mortgage at six and at 6.8%, buy it out, be done with it. She's like, no, huh? heck no, I'm going to keep that. Mm-hmm. Now today... We're scared to death because we've got 6%, the same interest rate. Yeah. Well, I just told you that I refied from seven something, but I also built a house in 2008 and then got stuck with a huge interest rate when the market crashed. I started doing what happened there. Yeah. I started doing residential appraisal work here again. You were still just (laughs) really fairly young Mm -hmm. uh in in 1993 Mm -hmm. i started doing appraisal work and that's when the market started to fall in interest rates yep Yep. they were falling from that earlier from 85 to 93 18 percent 12 percent 11 percent people the industry the world was in a refinance boom. Mm-hmm. Everyone was refinancing their homes. I was doing appraisal work on homes sometimes every 12, 14, 16 months, the same home. Just because the market the was same moving house, so much. They could get more and more and more. They, they yeah. would refinance at 13%. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, now all of a sudden, 13 months later, the interest rate was at 11%. It made sense to refinance. We'd go redo the appraisal yeah. for a different in, for a different bank or maybe the same bank. Sure, and we did that. I watched it run past ten. I saw it drop past, and it was. So now we're going back the other way. <clears throat> well, and and you know probably I mean it's the only way that uh, that our 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 system, you know, the government has to curb inflation. the 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 main tool in their arsenal is to increase the interest rate. Yeah, maybe the only tool. It may be the only tool. So the last two raises, I think we were talking with. Uh, I can't remember if it was we were talking on a previous podcast or if I read this, but the last two raises have been seventy five basis points, which are three quarters of a percent. So those two together is a one and a half percent interest rate hike. Yeah. You know, and th- those are big grabs. When the when the Fed starts raising at more than a quarter of a twenty five basis points, if they start raising it by fifty or seventy five, they're they're taking big grabs because they're trying to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. So they'll slow they'll slow the inflation over time. You know, the interest rates will get high enough out there that inflation um, it should curb some of that, and we can get back to even keel. Yeah. We uh. We were talking, you know, we're talking to market over in general. I was talking to a good friend of mine while in San Diego, and uh, he lives in an, in an area in northern Indiana that's really, really affected by the, uh, the, the uh, RV industry, recreational oh, yeah. Ve- yeah. vehicle industry. They build uh, motorhomes, campers, pull-type trails. Anyway, this inflation already, he told me over a three-week period of time, from three to four weeks ago, his town went from thriving to most of that industry has laid off all of their people wow. because the RVs are not selling. Yeah, because of inflation, mm-hmm. fuel price, diesel price, which is fuel. Yeah, but to pull those RVs, that industry has just come to a screeching halt and I'm, he said his town was he called it a ghost town right I'm, now i'm gonna argue that the fuel price may affect that more than the interest rate oh, right could, now. I, we're yeah, still a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah. early in the interest rate hikes but that fuel price has gotten ridiculously high and when you're pulling forth uh, uh those those fifth wheel trailers yes. with diesel uh vehicles at the high fives low sixes per gallon of, uh, for diesel fuel and those things drink a lot of fuel. I'm oh, I'm driving I'm driving yeah. one out here in the parking lot, and I'll tell you that thing swallows a lot of diesel. So, yeah. well, um, I tell you what, it just to fill up my truck, the local fuel station that I that I buy my fuel at most of the time caps your purchase on your card. <laughs> yes, at a hundred bucks, hundred and seventy five. Yeah. Oh wow. It caps at 175, and my wife sent me a text a while ago. She was going through our uh, financials and, and putting things in order, and she says, what, what do you keep spending $175 equal 
Is that what it costs to fill your truck up? And I said, nope. That's, That's what where they cap let me it. spend it. Yeah. So that does not even get me a full Too tank full. of gas. That's crazy. Or a full tank of diesel fuel in, in my truck. And you and I drive similar trucks. For most cars, if you went to a car lot and you bought just an economical car or whatever, mm-hmm. that's a monthly car payment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's and, that's crazy. And I'm not putting that 175 in there monthly. No. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. I, Every no, couple I get weeks it. you're doing that. Yes. <laughs> I get it. It is. But I calculate my travel more often. You know, oh, I need to get bread while I'm out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh let's do everything I, in this one let's trip. See, I try to consolidate to, those trips. I, I need to run by the bank. Let's see. We're going to make, we're going this route. So, oh, let me stop at the hardware store because I need to get that. Yeah. Widget Gidget. You can do what I did. The Widget Gidget. I, uh, I I bought a sweet little old lady's car. You've got a nice little old lady's car. <laughs> yeah. I call you Grandma little, Terrell. Little Lincoln MKZ with 25,000 miles on it. I'm on my way to it. that car, Sean. Like, I might be made in tr- making trays with you here soon. <laughs> I tell you what, Sean, you got a nice car. But you it, do. It is a, nice, is a car, nice car. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I love driving that pickup. You know, yeah. I've always had a truck, but. It just makes sense to drive a car right now. Yeah. He's so. got a nice car. Absolutely. It's it's that little dog with the wagging head in the back seat that or in the back, you know, window that the bobblehead the bobblehead dog. dog. <laughs> <laughs> I get there. Yeah, we're get we're there. dating ourselves again. Trina There's don't no remember lie. those days. No, I don't have any idea what you guys are talking about. I'm I'm like imagining the target dog, but that's uh, not what you're talking about at all. No, so. back in the day, back the in the RCA day dog. there was a a lot of a lot of those little old ladies had a dog. It was like and for a some dog. reason a lot of them were and black was, and tan. It was just they a were. wobblehead. And when you're driving down the road, that little dog head would just uh, be sitting there, kind of like the hula lady on the front, like on the yeah, okay. similar. Yeah, all right. More guys had those though, less okay. women. But gotcha. Things are changing. <laughs> Times are a changing. So can we title this podcast "The Change"? No, Jake. we're calling it what do we say? Jimmy's Jimmyisms. Mm, what we're calling yeah. it? We're going to call was, it. You've been Jimmyed. Mm. I was trying to get away from that. <laughs> <laughs> I say we get out of here and go have some lunch. I agree. Lunchtime. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank Jimmy Dean for being in the studio with us, and we hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you next time inside the sale ring. Thank you for joining us for today's show. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesalering.com now. We appreciate your feedback and encourage you to share the show with other industry pros like yourself. Join us next time as we meet you inside The Sale Ring.